Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. Prophet is Dawn here, and I am the senior pastor of Life Path Apostolic Agape House of Prayer. Tonight is the night. We are starting our 52-week uh Bible study, and we are doing a chronological review of the word. We're going to be reviewing the word. So I invite you to enter in, to come with us on this journey. I expect great and wonderful things from God. He is going to do a great and marvelous work. Tonight, I have with me my beautiful Beautiful anointed daughter, Mariana, a minister in training. Come on now. <laughs> I thank God for it. Celebrate him for the impartation of his Holy Spirit. Father God, as we prepare to dig into this word tonight, Lord God, I pray that you will have your way. Father, hide us, hide us, Jesus, that, Father, as we get into your word, we can only see you. Father, we thank and praise you tonight. Oh, we adore you. We're excited about what you're going to do for the miracles, the signs, and wonders that will follow this Bible study. We celebrate you, God. Oh, Father God, we love you. We adore you. And we pray that you will have your way. Oh, yes, Lord. Have your way. Have your way, Jesus. Oh, God, we thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Now, let's get into praise and worship. Just clear your minds and let your mind just get on Jesus. Forget about the burdens of this day and just worship him. We are grateful for you, God. Mm. We worship you. Yes, God. Yes, God. Here, touch and 
a way maker, a miracle worker. He is a promise keeper. He's our light in the darkness. He is our God. My God, my God. All right. Well, I'm going to open up the floor for uh, testimony service and so that we can testify to the goodness of God and all of the many blessings that he has bestowed upon us. And so I'm going to get us started tonight, Mary, and I'll let you come in and share your testimony. But I'm telling you, God is a good God, and he is worthy of all the praise, the honor, and the glory. He is worthy to be praised. He's worthy because he's a great God. Throughout the day, I've just been challenged, been having this condition uh, over a month. It has been over a month that I have been consistently bleeding, heavily, heavily bleeding. And so having had this condition for over a month, I feel like the woman with the issue of blood. (laughs) I said, God, let's go back and see how old was she? 
Now, she had to go 12 years. I ain't going no 12 years, but nonetheless, she had to go 12 years, and I'm struggling going 12 days times three plus some. <laughs> so I got uh, word from the doctors that there is no cancer, so I thank God for that, and it cleared the way for uh, surgery. They're going to do some surgery, uh, uh, and ablation surgery is quite common for women. Uh, and hopefully, prayerfully, it will stop this bleeding. And some people say after they get the surgery, they bleed no more. So I am welcoming that. I'm welcoming that. Even though when the nurse called, they wanted to know if I wanted a tubal ligation. Uh, yeah, I don't need all of that. Just stop this bleeding and let's move on. But I'm so grateful to God. I'm, I'm happy that he uh, continues to spare me. And in my area of health, I've had a couple of health scares over the last six months. And I'm telling you, this stuff has been coming back to back. But every time God said, "Ah, uh-uh, no, no, uh, this is not your fate. So I thank and praise God tonight. That is my testimony. I've been irritated and aggravated <laughs> all through the day. But I thank God that it is all over and we are in his presence as we have been throughout the day. Yet we can lay all of our burdens on the altar and let God have it. I'm telling you, he can have it all. I don't want no parts of it. Let him do what he's got to do. So that is my testimony for the day. I just thank God for helping me to make my way through. Amen. So my testimony is I just got a promotion at my job from having another promotion at my job. So within the past six months, I've moved up two um, levels in my company. I did not expect either of them. So they both came as a surprise. So moving from the first department to the department I am now, that was such a good surprise. But through my hard work and through my faith, I just within two days, a manager asked me if I wanted was interested in a position. I got hired and I got blessed with the job. And I feel like God is just looking at me and everything that I'm doing and walking in faith. And although I make my mistakes along the way, he still is there showing me that with my faith, he sees the work that I've been doing. So this was just a reminder that he, he has me and he's setting me up not only financially, but spiritually, mentally, emotionally, academically. He's just setting me up for this path and success that he wants me to be on. And this new position that I've been blessed with is just a reminder. And it's just showing that you don't even have to ask for it. He will give it to you because he is the provider. And he knows even more of what I need than I even know or could think. Amen. Amen. Look at God. Look at God. I declare and decree that miracles, signs, and wonders will follow this ministry. I'm telling you, God is going to do a great thing and marry you as a minister in training. You know what God uh, gave me the other day? Uh, I was just sitting and I was thinking, and I think I shared this with you about the, uh, the what they call them, mystery shoppers what they call it. is that what they call them mystery yes secret secret shoppers or mystery shoppers or something like that where companies send people to go and evaluate uh 
their businesses to see the quality of care that their uh, staff provides to their customers. And so as a benefit to that, they give the person a uh, budget for how much they can spend. And oftentimes they don't even give you, you know, specific items that you have to buy. They just say, hey, you know, you got this budget, $100, $500, $1,000, you know, whatever. Go in and, and, and pretend that you are a customer and purchase what you want. And as a result, I want you to share with me what you experienced so that I can make any corrective actions that needs to be done so that my customers get quality care. And so a lot of times, not only will they give you a budget for doing it, they'll also pay you compensation for doing it. But at the end of the engagement, you get to keep everything you bought. (laughs) So I started thinking about that and how God will strategically place us into situations and, and, and into environments that we are there to to test the water per se. We are there to evaluate. We are there as representatives of God. And he's allowing us, he's giving us provision uh, for what we need and and any sampling that we do. When we leave that environment, it's all ours, right? So God is placing us strategically in these positions. He is giving us favor, tools, and resources. And I'm telling you, I do not take it for granted what he is doing uh, through us and through this ministry. But we're going to see much more. We're going to see much more. All right, so let's get into the word. All right. Praise the Lord. Okay. So let's get into our devotion. Day one devotion. Let the story begin. Let the story begin. We know that God's story begins with who? God. (laughs) It begins with God. The creation event reveals crucial insights into God's power and his person. And what does that mean? What does that mean? It begins with God because God speaks. He speaks to nothingness and it becomes substantial and chaos becomes ordered. He assesses what he creates and what he creates, he names and affirms affirms its goodness. God enables the reproduction of life by creating both uh, maturity, which is plants, trees, and animals, and potential, which is seed. Let me say that again. God enables reproduction of life by creating both maturity and potential. So he created the, the trees, the plants, the animals, and he created the seed. He created these things, both old and new simultaneously. So he created these things at the same time. God creates systems and holds them together. He established parameters for all of creation, even and including man. This story began with God. God brought man from the dust and shared his life with him. 
God anticipated man's every need before he even existed. All creation ensures that humans are flourishing. He established a hierarchy of authority by giving man dominion, instructing him regarding the two trees and and creating his counterpart, which is the woman. The man and the woman have everything they needed or they had everything that they needed to flourish. And God gave them the ability to speak, create, anticipate every need and to walk with him. So the story begins with God. And so when we look at what God has allowed us to do and making us in his image, giving us the ability to reproduce the way that he reproduced in maturity and potential, God has given us the authority to walk and to establish systems and to hold those systems together by the parameters that he has set, such as the governing authority and the hierarchy of his authority in the earth. Creation began with the heavens and the earth, and God allowed creation to reveal his greatness, his wisdom, his power, and his goodness. The prohibition uh, given by God regarding a certain tree of every tree and of every garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge and good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of the tree, you shall surely die. It shifts the story from God to man. So the story began with God, but as he provided instruction and, and, and required obedience, the story shifts from God to man. That prohibition uh, required faith and revealed the attributes of God and exercise of self-control. Instead of appropriating God's word regarding the forbidden tree, Adam and Eve heed the voice of the serpent who questioned God's goodness and the veracity of God's word. They ate of the tree's fruit. They died spiritually and they were evicted from the garden. God evicted them in his mercy and in his grace, lest they ate from the tree of life and uh, they were able to live eternally and they would have been condemned. God responded to their sin uh, by giving the promise of redemption and the picture of redemption. The promise of redemption in the word of God in Genesis 3 and 15, it says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heels. Someday uh, one would come and take back what was lost in the garden. He gave us not only a promise of redemption, he gave us a picture of redemption in Genesis 3 and 21, where the word of God said, also the Adam of his wife and the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. God allowed an innocent animal to be sacrificed so that they could be covered 
God esteemed this as very good. Although the couple's nakedness was exposed, God allowed them to be covered. When you, when we get into the word of God, as we get into Genesis uh, 1 and uh, chapter 1, we want to really concentrate on the story of God and who God was and the story of man and how man related to who God was as we continue to go through this. But uh, for these next 52 weeks, we are going to need a few items so that we can be successful in our study. Uh, We're going to need a chronological Bible, a one-year chronological Bible. Now, you can purchase the chronological Bible or you can go to your uh, Bible app. A lot of them have, you know, settings where you can read the chronological Bible or because I will be giving scriptures, um, you can you can uh, follow along with me and I will give you the scriptures each week and you'll be able to read it that way. But I think that it will be better if you get a Bible because you're going to want to journal in your Bible. You're going to want to write in your Bible and take advantage of being able to take notes, come back to those notes. I'm telling you in my Bible, I've got notes from I mean, probably 15 years ago, and I like to go back and read uh, what I put to understand where I was in that season uh, spiritually, okay? So you want to be able to get uh, a chronological Bible, Um, and as we go through this um, journey together and and studying, don't just... um, Don't just limit yourself to when we come together on Thursday nights at seven o'clock. I want you to study your Bible throughout the week. And I also want you to get into God's presence. And, And one of the things that I would advise you to do is in the mornings, in the mornings and throughout the day, Uh, try to memorize some of these verses. Uh, We will have each week, uh, and I've gone through the training materials, each week you will have a uh, memory verse. Uh, Don't just stick to that. When you get up in the morning, uh, get into your word, read verses that are relevant to your life, memorize them, put them on cards, index cards. If you need some index cards, let me know, I'll get you some. Read them out loud. Apply them to your life. Close your eyes. Visualize them. Try to understand what God uh, is intending for his word. And as you go through this study, I want you to do it in the sense of uh, learning on in, in three different waves or three different buckets, right? I want you to hear what the word is saying in context to Uh, the author's perspective, right? What is the author trying to convey uh, through the word of God? I want you to read it with a historical uh, perspective. What was going on in that season and in that time? And I also want you to read it in application to your life. I really truly believe that the word of God is a living 
word. It is a living word and it is very much relevant uh, to our lives. Commit yourself to daily devotion. Commit yourself to daily devotion with the goal of getting into God's presence every day. Find a place and a time, set the atmosphere and interact with God, not just through his word, but through praise and worship and prayer. This will help to enhance your experience as we go through uh, these Bible studies. I want you to get you a Bible, a one-year chronological Bible. Renew your mind daily by memorizing the word, recite the word, uh, uh, learn the word, create a devotion um, time and, 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 and devote your life. And the other thing I want you to do as we go through this journey together, I want you to learn how to pray the word. Pray the word, the most powerful prayer, uh, the, the prayer tool that God is giving us is the ability to pray his word. So I'm going to give you an example in the book of uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 through 17, uh, uh, chapter 1 verses 17 through 23. A lot of times I exercise this um, uh uh, practice when I am praying, I will pray the word because God's word is powerful and it will not return unto him void. So we can expect the word of God to become alive in our lives. But I want to give you an example in the word of God in Ephesians uh, 1. Um, and then after I read it, Mary, I want you to pull it up where your where your phone here. You can you can get this back. I want you to get Ephesians uh, 1, 17 uh, through 23. And I'll, as a matter of fact, I'm going to have you read it first. Do you have uh, like you version or something? Or you can do, you can Google it. Google it. Okay, you said... Ephesians 1, chapter 1, verses 17 through 23. Seventeen through twenty-three. Okay, yes, I have it here. Okay, read the word for me. Um, it goes from fifteen. Don't tell me where seventeen is. So can I start at fifteen? Maybe we need to change it. Yeah, change it to the um, the NIV. Okay, I love yeah, the I message the too. Message. Oh, yeah, I love the message. Okay, so seventeen to twenty-three. Yeah, seventeen through twenty-three. I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope in which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, in every name that is invoked, not only in the 
present age, but also in the out, in, I'm sorry, in the one to come. And God placed all this under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for, for the church, which is his body and fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So when you feel that you don't know how to pray or you don't know what to pray, pray the word of God. And this is an example of how you can pray uh, the word of God in Ephesians 1, 17 through 23. Father God, in the precious and holy name of Jesus, Lord, as we come before you today, we ask, Lord God, that you will give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the word of God. Oh, Father God, that you will open up our eyes of understanding so that we may know what is the hope of your calling. Oh, Father God, we thank you today. What are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in your saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards those who believe according to the working of your mighty power illustrated by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead? Father God, we thank you that you have put all things under the feet of Jesus so that we can experience all that you have for us in Christ Jesus. Oh, Father God, we thank you in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen and amen. All right? All right? So we're going to get some scriptures, Mary, as we continue through this journey. And we are going to pray those scriptures because it's important not only that God lays the foundation for us, as we walk through the word of God and as we get into how the church was founded and laid, but as we begin to disciple to others, as we begin to share the gospel, it's important that we know how to pray. I was listening to someone er, er, earlier today, uh, Wambach or something like that. I can't even remember his name right now, but he was talking about how God has given special anointing to specific people for specific tasks. So he has given special anointing to specific people for specific tasks. And the reason that he's done that is so that his power can be enacted in people's lives without delay. But the same anointing that he has given one he has given us all. We just have to trust and believe and tap into it. So he was speaking specifically to healing, healing of your body, your physical state, healing of your mind, healing of your finances. And he was speaking to how it has become somewhat of a crutch in the church because instead of us relying on our own relationship with God, we start to rely on those who God has given this special anointing to, to get us the breakthrough that we are seeking God for. But we know that as Christians and as followers of Christ, that God has given us the same ability, but we've got to learn how to pray. We got to learn his word so that we understand the power that we walk in. And I was listening to Miles Monroe. Uh, earlier too, and he was saying the Bible is not a, a, a religious um, book. It's not a religious book. It is a constitution. It's a book of law. And so if we learn what the word says, we will know um, 
how to walk in his will. As we start to disciple and get out there and start um, sharing the word of God and, and passing out tracts and things like that, we have to know how to engage people, how to engage people and, and make it relevant to them. How do we do that? By having a relationship with Christ. So anyway, I say all that to say, <laughs> I gave you all the example today, but this is going to be an interactive learning and exchange, right? I'm not just going to be talking. We're going to be learning together. And the way that God uh, perfects our gifts is he will exercise them. He will exercise them. So uh, I showed you how to pray <laughs> the word of God. So trust and believe as we continue along this journey, I'm going to be, uh, you know, testing, not testing, but exercising those gifts that God has given you. All right, so let's get started with the week one study. I know somebody said, I thought we already got started. Nope, this is the content. (laughs) So let's get started. All right, the core truths, the core truths that we want to uh, uh, establish as a foundation of our, our, uh, study. And I want you to write these down. The core truths, uh, number one, the Bible or the biblical narratives are just as valuable today. They're just as valuable today. And let's go to the book of Romans, uh, chapter 15, verse four. So let's go into Romans chapter 15, Verse four. And so in the NIV Bible, it says for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that thou so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So the Bible narratives are valuable today for us because they give us hope. They give us hope to believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I shared that I feel like the I feel like I'm the woman <laughs> with the issue of blood. You know, that just really brought that scripture out to me because I'm experiencing that in my life. And it made me think about the woman and her life and, and, and wonder, you know, was she at her mature state, you know, to where she, you know, was, was older like me. They said she had spent all of her money. So that tells me that she had to work some period of time to make money. You know, she wasn't no young teeny bopper. But anyway, the, the narratives of the Bible are very valuable today because they bring us hope. The other core truth that we want to keep in mind as we continue along this path is that the Bible is a reliable account of God, of who God is what he has done through history. So the Bible is a reliable account of who God is and what he has done throughout history. Uh, The only thing I can say about people as we continue to go through this path, if the Bible to you is not the infallible word of God, infallible meaning without flaw, meaning God is perfect enough that he can get a message to his people that is untainted. If it is not that for you, I would say enter into this journey with caution. 
But if it is, I would say release yourself from any uh, uh, prohibition, from any uh, constraints so that you can receive all that God has. I'm telling you, the word of God is powerful and it takes faith in order for us to receive that power. So we need to uh, believe what we're reading. All right. The other biblical truth or core truth that we want to establish or, or keep at the forefront of our mind as we go through this journey is that the Bible rests on Jesus authority, on Jesus authority. I heard somebody say one time, listen, either Jesus lived, died and rose again, or he didn't. It's just that simple. It is that simple. Either he died, he resurrected and rose again, or he did not. And if you are continuing along this journey and that is not your core belief that he resurrected, he died and he rose again and that the Bible rests on his authority, then you're going to be confused through this process. Ask God to help you to get to where you need to be so that you can receive all that he has for you. All right. Another core truth is that the Bible speaks directly to identity. It speaks directly to identity with God as its shaper. Okay. So it speaks to identity with God. God is the author and the finisher. God is the one who constructed and created all things. The word of God is the agent of change that renews the mind. The other core truth that we want to keep at the forefront of our minds is that the word of God is the agent of change that renews our minds. Listen, we get ourselves in a lot of trouble because we don't live by the principles of God. I was, um, I'm trying to remember that message earlier today. I think I sent you all that link uh, to, to Miles Monroe and, and what he was talking about. And a lot of times we try to compromise the message that God has given us. And we have a lot of challenges and problems and issues in our life that would be resolved if we just live out his word or allow the word to be a change agent in our lives. What he said was, he said, uh, he was telling the lady that was interviewing him, he was on a show called Turning Point. And he said, if I, he said, uh, he made a point and he was saying that the point that he was made, making was intended to shift uh, your thinking and your understanding. He said, because look, this show is called Turning Point and you have to be at a turning point in your life to where you are ready for change. If you are at a turning point in your life and you are ready for change, allow the word of God to be the agent of change that will renew your mind. The other core truth that we want to keep at the forefront of our minds as we continue along this journey is that the stories of the Bible provide a large view of God and a realistic view of man. <laughs> it provides a large view of God and a realistic view of man. A lot of times people say, oh, that, that Bible just contradicts itself. And some of the stuff that they say in the Bible is no way that could have happened in the earth. But the reality is that it, it allows us to see God in his holistic form and to see man in his realistic form. 
The other core truth is that every story contains rich theology. And what is theology? That is the story of God. The story, I mean, the, the story, Lord, the study of God. It gives us uh, education about God. Okay. It, it gives us the story. I mean, the study of God. I don't know why my words shifting. Uh, all right. The other core truth, the stories constantly reveal the impact of sin and our need for a savior. We have to rely on God and allow Jesus to reign over every area of our lives. A lot of times we get caught up in sin because we are trying to get a remedy or solution things in our own ability and our own might and our own wisdom instead of handing it over to Jesus. What does that mean? That means that while faith without works is dead, there are some things that we cannot do in our own ability. Some things come out by fasting and praying through supplication. Do we receive our breakthrough? Some things we just got to hand it over to Jesus. Uh, you know, let, let him have it and let him help us to overcome it. All right. Uh, I think we're on the last core troop, and I want us to remember these things. Keep them at the forefront of your mind as we continue to go along this journey that God is the main character of every story. You're going to see God. You're going to see Jesus throughout the Bible. And God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit will be present from Genesis to Revelation. You will see him. Amen. All right. So the word of God, as we continue um, in our journey, it will help us to understand the goals and the scope of discipleship. God's plan for discipleship. He didn't just leave us out here and say, listen, I want you to follow me. I want you to live a life that is righteous and upright and holy without giving us a plan. He allows us to use his word to help explain why the stories are important and also using Jesus words to help us to understand how to walk. In Matthew 22, verses 31 through 32, the word of God says, who God was for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is who he is for us today. The word of God is very clear that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. We can see the personality of God and the stories that, uh, that are presented in, in the Bible. And listen, as we go through this, it don't have to be uh, um, a, a boring exchange or anything like that. Uh, it doesn't have to be, you know, because the Bible is exciting. It's very exciting. It's, it's very exciting. All right, so let's talk about the, the study goes into Jesus' priority. What was Jesus' priority? Uh, uh, what was his priority um, uh, for or, or within the Bible, right? If we know and understand that he was a very important uh, um, he was a very important uh, part of the Bible and I'm, I'm 
stuttering because I don't hear Mary. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. I didn't see you respond to my text. Yeah. I'm so I was. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I get it. All right. So I'm like, okay, you ain't read. You ain't getting to my text. All right. So let's talk about Jesus, uh, pri- um, his priority. So a, a lot of times nobody, nobody will debate Christ's uh, importance in history, right? Even uh, some uh, atheists, right? They, they're quick to acknowledge Christ as a prophet, right? Where, where they may not necessarily believe that there is a God, but they may believe that there was someone who walked the earth who had these abilities and, and they just can't uh, uh, determine why, <laughs> you know, why he had those abilities. But anyway, nobody, a lot of people will us, uh, acknowledge his importance, right? And a lot of people will cite him, uh, and repeat the word of God. Even today, the magnificent thing about Christ and, and his journey, uh, throughout the earth is that still to this day, all of these years later, you have people who are quoting his word. They're quoting his word. Some, some of you have heard where people say, judge not that you not be judged. And, and I tell y'all oftentimes that is the most misunderstood, uh, scripture in the Bible and people use it, uh, to weaponize, uh, uh, you know, being, um, judgmental or what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, judging, you know, poor behavior. But anyway, another one that we hear a lot of times that people say is do unto others as, as you would have them do unto you. And we paraphrase that. And one day I was thinking, I said, nah, <laughs> I get how the scripture relates to me because I want to love my neighbor the way that I love myself. And I want to do unto others as as, as I would have them do unto me, but some folk don't even treat themselves right. But anyway, that was a, a path, a rabbit hole I was going down. But a lot of people understand or at least acknowledge who Jesus is, but not many people know who he is in his value. They know of him, but they don't know him. They don't know what he actually values. And, and if you think about it, when you think about a person and their values, uh, you have to understand or listen to uh, what they actually are asking for, what they actually want. So take, take, for instance, someone who's buying a car, right? If somebody's buying a car and they're saying, look, I want to buy a car. That just tells me that you want a car. That don't tell me what you value in a car. It doesn't tell me how the car what color you want or, or, uh, how much you're interested in pain or whether or not you want a running car or, you know, any of those facts or ideals about what type of car you want. Would you be interested in a car that was in an accident or have low or high mileage? Like, what do you want in a car? The same questions we have to ask when we get to know or understand Jesus' values. We know that he said uh, that we ought to be kingdom citizens, that we should love our brothers and our sisters as we love ourselves. We know and we understand that, but we have to understand or know what was his priority? Who is he? What does he value? 
let's take a look at uh, Matthew verse 12, verses 3 through 5. Mary, you want to pull that up for me and read it? Let's see if we can learn a little bit about what Christ valued. Let me see. I said Matthew. Mm-hmm. Verses 3 through 5. Okay. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated, consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read the law? I'm sorry. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on the Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? Are innocent. Okay. Now I want you to go to um, Matthew 12 and go to the message. Go to the message and read that again. And, I, and, and and while you're reading it, think about what is the key thing that he's asking them? What asking them have they done? Okay. Jesus said, really, didn't you ever read what David and his companions did when they were hungry? How they entered the sanctuary and ate fresh bread off the altar, bread that no one but priests were allowed to eat. And didn't you read... Didn't you ever read in God's law that priests carry out their temple duties, break Sabbath rules all the time, and it's not held against them? So what he's asking now, he's saying, have you have you not read? Have you not read? He said, he said, really, didn't you ever read that Jesus and his companions did uh, what they did when they were hungry? How they entered the sanctuary and they ate flesh and bread off the altar? Bread uh, that no one but priests were allowed to eat. And didn't you ever read God's law that priests carrying out their temple duties broke Sabbath rules all the time and it's not held against them? See, he was he was coming against those um, legalists who were coming against him. And he said, have you not read? So when we think about what did Jesus value and what did he uh, represent? When we go back to breaking down what he really uh, stood for and what were his priorities, he said, have you not read? And what that does is it puts emphasis on us getting into the word, getting into the knowledge of God. Mary, I'm going to have you read another one unless you want me to go there. No, I can read it. All right. So, and stay in your message Bible. I like the message because yeah. it helps us to understand better. So, let's go to Matthew 21 and 16. Matthew 21 and 16. 16 through. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. We were still in Matthew 12. Uh-uh. Matthew 21 and 16. And then the message Bible is going to do 15 through 16. Okay. When the religious leaders saw the outrageous things he was doing and heard all the children running and shouting through the temple, Hosanna to David's son, they were up in arms and took him to task. Do you hear what these children are saying? Jesus said, yes, I hear them. And haven't you read in God's word from the mouths of the children and the babies, I'll furnish 
a place of praise. <laughs> so, so here we're learning what is God's priority. So before he's telling them, look, haven't you word? I mean, haven't you read the word? You all are trying to condemn me for what I'm doing. This is these are practices that came even before me. If you get into your word and now he's telling the religious leaders um, who were outraged at children. Here they are upset with the children running around in the temple, praising God, praising Jesus. And he said they're asking him, do you hear what they're saying? Number one, how are they praising you as the, as David's son? And we are in the temple. So they had a problem with that. They was hating. And then on top of that, he said he had instructed them that out of the mouths of babes, he's instructing them that you have to have an innocent heart in order to freely, freely praise and worship. And he reminded them that God's word says from out of the mouths of babes, I'll furnish a place of praise. He was actually trying to instruct them and give them a very valuable nugget and lesson that if they would just go run around, they probably wouldn't be so stuck up and and, and trying to get them kids in trouble. All right, let's go to 21 uh, and 42. down a little bit further. We're laying the foundation. We are laying the foundation. We're learning what was what was Jesus' priorities. So as we get into the word, what were his priorities? Jesus said, right, and you can read it for yourselves in the Bibles. The stone the Masons threw out is now cornerstone. This is God's word. We rub our eyes. We can hardly believe it. This is the way it is with you. God's kingdom will be taken back from you and handed over to a people who will live out a kingdom life. Whoever stumbles on the stone gets shattered. Whoever the stone falls on gets smashed. My God, what an awesome promise. What an awesome promise. Again, tie it back to reading the word, getting into the word. But what did God say? What did Jesus say? He said, this is the way it is with you. God's kingdom will be taken back from you. Those who didn't appreciate, who took for granted what he gave them and be handed over to the people, to a people who will live out a kingdom life. Come on now, we talking about life path, apostolic agape house of prayer. Uh, people, right? We're going to live out a kingdom life. All right. So let's see what else we got here. Uh, Matthew 22, 29 through uh, 32. So let's see what we got. Matthew 22, 29 through 32. And it goes to 33. You want to read it or you want me to? Go ahead. You said 29 to 30, you go to 33? Mm-hmm. Jesus answered, you're off base on two counts. You don't know your Bibles and you don't know how God works. At the resurrection, we're beyond marriage. As with angels, all of our... Estheses. All of our estheses and intimacies then will be with God. 
And regarding your speculation on whether the dead are raised or not, don't you read your Bibles? The grammar is clear. God says, I am not was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. The living God defends, defines himself not as the God of dead men, but of the living. Hearing this exchange, the crowd was much impressed. Now, this is the thing, too. When I, when I hear you read that, I think about a lot of times as Christians, we get uh, what they call it, milly mouth mouth, you know, and, 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 and subdued and what we say about Christ, you know, we don't want to offend people. We don't want to say it the wrong way, but you see how Jesus checked them. You see how he checked them. He said, he said, you're off base on two counts. Number one, let me get you, let me get you straight real quick. Not only don't you know what God said, you don't even know how he worked. Not, not come on now. What, what they call it, caps. Them, them some caps right there. At the resurrection, we're beyond marriage. As with angels, all our ecstasies and intimacies then will be with God. My God, my God. Listen, I remember when we did a Bible study a couple of years ago. Remember when Amy Neen and Uncle, uh, oh, I mean, yeah. and Lil E and and and. We all were trying to get through that Bible study. Yeah. And um, the preacher, the minister who was ministering, he brought revelation to when we get to heaven, my God, our relationship with Christ will no longer be about our sin. You know, I, sometimes I pray and I say, Lord God, uh, let them know you through the parting of their sins. It's not going to be about us knowing him through the parting of our sins. We're going to be right there in his face where sin ain't gonna have no consequence right because we're in heaven we have shedded this old nasty carnal devilish flesh uh that we've been stuck with but anyway that just hit something with me uh you know he said at the resurrection we're beyond marriage as with the angels all of our ecstasies and intimacies then will be with god all of our all of our things that we want will be right there with God. He said, regarding your speculation on whether the dead are raised or not, don't you read your Bible? Girl, now he he was letting them know. He was checking out. He said, don't you read your Bible? He said, it's real clear. God says, I am. He didn't say I was. He said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He said, the living God. And so this gives us hope. It gives us hope. But the lesson here, again, it's a running theme, right? What is God's priority? What is Christ's priority or Jesus' priority uh, with us as he disciples us, right? It's reading the word, getting into the word. All right, we got a few more scriptures. Matthew 19 and, and 4. You want to grab that one? Yeah. Haven't you read in your Bible that the Creator originally made man and woman for each other, male and female? And because of this, a man leaves father and mother and is firmly bonded to his wife, becoming one flesh, no longer two bodies but one. Because God created this organic union of two sexes, no one should desecrate his art by cutting them apart. All right. I, I went down to the next one. All right, but 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 
think about what he's saying here. That God created man and woman, and we can preach on this, right? Female and, and male. And because of this, a man will leave his father and his mother and be firmly bonded to his wife, becoming one flesh. You know, how do we become one flesh? People get these ideals in a mind and that ain't it. But through what? Procreating, through having children, we become one flesh. And even in a spiritual sense, even before we produce a child, when we get married, we become one. We are supposed to be one. But do you see what Jesus was saying to them? Haven't you read your Bible? Haven't you read your Bible? All right, we got Mark 12 and 24. Let's see what the Word of God says. Mark 12 and 24. And it's going to take you through 27. Jesus said... You're way off base, and here's why. One, you don't know your Bible. Two, you don't know how God works. After the dead are raised up, we're past the marriage business. As it is with angels now, all of our... Oh, I'm sorry. Estacies. Oh, I thought... Um, all of our estacies and intimacies then will be with God. And regarding the dead, whether or not they are raised, don't ever... Don't you ever read your Bible, how God at the bush says, Moses, I am not, I am not was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. The living God is the God of the living, not of the dead. You're way off base. Okay. So again, this is Mark's perspective of the same scripture, but, he, but what does he add to it? He tells us God at the bush so what he was talking about was when he was at the bush, he told, what did he tell Moses? He said, I am that I am. That is the most powerful scripture ever. I mean, God said, he said, who are you? He said, I am who I, I am that I am. So I stand on being me and me alone. All right, let's see what Matthew 4 and 4 says. Matthew 4 and 4. Hmm. Jesus answered by quoting Deuteronomy. It takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes steady stream of words from God's mouth. Amen. Amen. Now we at the last scripture. Let's go to Matthew 5, 17 uh, through 19. 5, 17 through 19. And we're learning what is Jesus' priorities. 17 through 19. And I guess it take us through 20. Completing God's laws. Don't suppose for a minute that I have come to demolish the scriptures. Either God's laws or the prophets. Either God's law or the prophets. I'm not here to demolish but to complete. I'm going to put it all together. Put it all together in a vast panorama. God's law is more real and lasting than the stars in the sky and the ground at your feet long after stars burn out and earth wears out god's laws will be alive and working trivialize even the smallest item in god's laws and you will only have trivialized yourself but take it seriously 
show the way for others and you will find honor in the kingdom. Unless you do far better than the Pharisees in the matters of the right living, you won't know the first thing about entering the kingdom. Christ's priority was kingdom living. He prioritized kingdom living. And here he's saying, he's saying, don't suppose for one minute that I came to to demolish the scripture. I didn't come to put down the scripture. I'm not about to put down uh, what was written. I came to complete it. That means I came to live it out. He came to put it all together and put it in vast uh Panorama, panorama. What is panorama? You seen that panorama yeah, view? Like he said, I, I came to put it all together and to show you the whole thing. God's law from beginning to end, living it out. Uh, more real and lasting than the stars in the sky or the ground at your feet. Listen, it is so sad when I think about so many people, especially in my life and my family, people that I encounter who do not know God. That is the saddest thing ever. And yet they can see the physical things in this world and think that's more real than the God that we serve. That is a, a tragedy. Um, and, and here he's saying that if you trivial, trivialize even the smallest item of God's law, you will have trivialized yourself. We need to take it seriously and show the way for others and find honor in the kingdom. And, and, and what he's telling us is that we have to believe what we read. We got to believe what we read. All right, so having those scriptures before us, what do we see about Christ's priorities? How does he expect us to get our theology? What, what, what is the running thing throughout what God was saying as we were going through this study? Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. He places a premium on knowing the Old Testament. If we remember in the book of Mark, as we were reading through those scriptures, the Old Testament is, is quoted over and over again. And what he wanted us to know and to show us that was that he fulfilled those scriptures. He fulfilled those scriptures. And even the New Testament uh, writers, they use quotes from the Old Testament to explain who Jesus is and what his faith was and how God uh, actually worked with man. The book of Hebrews, uh, if we were... To, to not understand God's priority, it wouldn't make any sense if we didn't have Genesis, Exodus, or Leviticus. Once we get into Hebrews, because it references the Old Testament, uh, and, 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 and it pulls it and brings it all together. All right? So we understand Christ's priority. His priority was that we read the Word of God that we experience his word by faith and know that his word is true, that we have the innocence of young children, that we don't discount his word, that we don't use legalism to establish his word or his authority, and that we walk in truth according to his word. Those were his priorities, and those are the things that we need to pick up as we continue through 
this journey. Let it be as a foundation for us as we go through this study. All right. So in in John uh, 17 and 5, Jesus prays. He says, And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. When the Pharisees asked him, you are not yet 50 years old and, and you have seen Abraham. He replied, most assuredly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. Jesus walked in authority. He had authority. And what he wanted when he walked the earth as he discipled others, he wanted them to believe him and believe what he said, and believe that he walked in authority. That takes faith. This is going to cut me off, so I'm going to All right, so, so when Jesus proclaimed his authority, when he proclaimed his authority, he wanted us to believe everything that he said, but why, why should we believe him? Why? Did we, or why should we believe him when he said those things? In John 5, verses 31 through 47, Jesus lays out four witnesses to his authority. And so in addition to his own word, he gave witnesses to his authority. We're going to get to these scriptures. And uh, the first witness was John the Baptist. The other witness was the works that he did. The next witness was the father. And then the fourth witness was the scripture. So if we go to John chapter 5, verses 31 through 47. And let me read it. You know why I read the word? Because I know that if we just give scriptures, guess what? We ain't going to read them. <laughs> At least I, I don't. I'm, you know, sometimes I don't go back and read them. I forget. All right. So this is taking me, if I go in the message Bible, it says through 47. All right. So it's taking me straight through the end. All right. That's cool. Uh, we're starting 31 and we're going to just keep going. All right. The word of God says, I can do a solitary thing on my own. I listen. Then I decide you can trust my decision because I am not out to get my own way, but only to carry out orders. If I were simply speaking on my own account, it would be an empty self-serving witness, but independent witness uh, witnesses confirm me the most reliable witness of all. Furthermore, you all saw and heard John and he gave expert and reliable testimony about me, didn't he? But my purpose is not to get your vote and not to appeal to mere human testimony. I'm speaking to you this way so that you will be saved. John was a torch blazing the, and bright, and you were glad enough to dance for an hour or so in his bright light. But the witness that really confirms me far exceeds John's witness. It's the work of the Father. It's the work the Father gave me to complete. These very tasks, as I go about completing them, 
confirmed that the Father, in fact, sent me. The Father who sent me confirmed me, and you missed it. You never heard his voice. You never saw his appearance. This is nothing, I mean, there is nothing left in your memory of his message because you do not take his messenger seriously. You have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there. But you miss the forest for the trees. These scriptures are all about me. Here... And here I am standing right before you. You aren't willing to receive from me the light you say you want. The word of God goes on to say, I am interested in crowd. I am not interested in crowd approval. He said, I don't care if y'all believe me or not, or y'all approve of me or not. We got to get that bold, Mary. He said, and do you know why? Because I know you and your crowds. Come on now. I know that love, especially God's love, is not on your working agenda. I came with the authority of my father and you either dismiss me or avoid me. If another came acting self-important, you will welcome him with open arms. See, how do you expect to get anywhere with God when you spend all your time jockeying for position with each other, ranking your rivals and ignoring God? But don't think I'm going to accuse you before my father. Moses, in whom uh, you put so much stock, is your accuser. If you believe, really believe what Moses said, you would believe me. He wrote of me. If you won't uh, take seriously what he wrote, how can I expect you to take seriously what I speak? So he gave witnesses to say, look, I'm not just coming on my own word. But I am coming in the authority and by witness of others. John the Baptist, the works that I do, the Father who sent me, and the scriptures that were written on my behalf. One of the greatest marks of his authority was his prediction about his own death, burial, and resurrection. And Mark 10, uh, verses 20, uh, 32 through 35, the word of God says, Then he took the twelve aside again and began to tell them the, st- the things that would happen to him. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and and scourge him and spit on him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. And what happened during that time, as he was explaining to him his own death, it happened exactly the way that he had predicted it. It was almost like it was in his control that he provided insight into his death of how he would be betrayed, condemned, mocked, scourged, spit on, killed. Can you imagine? Somebody who came. Sometimes I think about this, Mary. You know, the people that we try to help the most, the people that we love the most, the people that we try to 
to, to, to help the most and God has put us in their lives to help the most, they seem like the ones that's trying to crucify us the worst, you know. But I think about Christ when, when I read these scriptures and how he endured as much as he endured from the very people that he was sent to save. Mm. That's amazing. All right, so how does Jesus treat the stories of the scriptures? How does he treat the stories of the scriptures? We're still talking about his authority, the authority that he walks in. He came in and he told everybody who he was. He didn't make any qualms about who he was. He was not mealy-moused about it. He was very strong in his stance about who he was. As a matter of fact, it caused them to want to kill him. Uh, so what? how did he treat the, the scriptures in the Bible? Let's think about or let's talk about creation. So in Mark uh, 10 and 6, the word of God says, But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and join to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, so that they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. So Jesus treats the creation account as if it actually happened. He treats it as if it actually happened, that there were two real people, and he uses the literal sense of the, uh, of the two real people to shape our relationship or the relationships in his day. In Matthew 23 through 24, the word of God says that on, uh, that on you may come all righteousness, I mean, all righteous blood shed on the earth from the blood of righteous Abel and the blood of Zechariah, the son of Barakiah, I can't stand them names. I'm telling you, I mess them up all the time. Whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. So when you think about it, Jesus treats Abel as a real person for whose murder people must be held responsible. In Matthew 24 and 37, the word of God says, but as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So here we see how Jesus treats Noah as a real person and uses the events of his time to predict uh, what the world will be like when uh, Jesus comes back as a king. So the creation he treated as a literal, as a literal thing. It was literal when it talks about the man and the woman and it depicts the design of the relationship that God ordained in the earth. He also talked about the righteous bloodshed on the earth and how there would be accountability. So if you remember Abel in the Bible and how he shed the blood of his brother. I mean, how his blood, how his blood was shed, uh, he treats it as a real story. He treats it as a real story. What does he say about or how does he treat the patriarchs in the Bible? He, in Matthew 22, uh, verse 31 through, through 32, the word of God says, but concerning the resurrection of the dead, 
You have not read what was spoken to you by God saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not a God of the dead, but of the living. Jesus treats Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as real people. And he shows that God was for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is for the same, as he was, uh -uh, come on back in here. As he was for, as he was for them, he was the same for people today. And then we're going to go here, Luke uh, 17, verses 28 through 30, the word of God, and 32, the word of God says, likewise, as it was also in the day of Lot, they ate, they drank, they brought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day of Lot, but the, but on the day that Lot went to Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, it be in the day of the Son of Man is revealed. So remember Lot's wife. So Jesus treats Lot's story as if it really happened and it applies to this day. So, so he treated these things as if they were real, the creation and the patriarchs, right? Because he was there uh, uh, in, in that next generation. So these were things that he treated as if they were real. And we're going to pause here, Mary, because we said we were going to be done at 10 o'clock. It is 1020. I didn't expect us to go this long uh, with the study. So maybe our weekly study is going to be a week and a half. But yeah, hour and a half. But we still got much more to get through. We want to learn what did he think about Exodus, the judges? What did he think about the kingdom? We're learning the foundation. We are learning the foundation of Christ. All right. So we're going to pick up where we left off at. Um Maybe, I don't know, next uh, Thursday we'll do it. Even though these are weekly uh, services, we're going to take our time and we're going to let God uh, have his way. Did you receive anything from that? Anything you want to reflect on before we end out in prayer? Um, so what I'd like to reflect on is the fact that I really like what you said. Like Jesus did not play about God. He was... He was serious about him and he had his back and he just let people know like he was just straight up to them and read your bible and it'll all be in there so i really like how uh we went through all of those scriptures of what jesus was saying to them because that makes me very excited to read the bible so i that that was my favorite part for sure I love when he basically told them, I'm not coming for y'all glory. I ain't coming to put on for y'all because I know y'all. <laughs> so I'm not coming here. Look, I'm going to do me and I'm going to do what my father called me to do. That level of boldness and confidence, I'm telling you, I'm Very praying bold. that we get it. Yes. He was calling people out. He was saying, y'all are too busy worried about each other and hyping each other up. And I'm here to talk about what God has and his authority. And y'all not even trying to hear that. So definitely his boldness is very Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is the word of God is real. The word of God is real and so many people denounce it. Uh, it's, It's a sad, sad fact. And regardless of how we get it, he wants us to get it. So, but anyway, all right, Mary, I'm gonna have you end us out in prayer and we will end today's session.
it on. Thank you, God, for allowing us to come together for this Bible study, Lord. Thank you for opening our minds and our hearts and our ears and our souls to you and to your word and to your glory. I ask that you continue to open up our heart and give us discernment of your word, Lord. Continue to allow us to receive this word and continue to allow us to receive it the way that you want it to be received and perceived, Lord. Continue to bless us just with this knowledge and this wisdom that is coming from this Bible study. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing in our lives and with this ministry. I ask that you continue to cover us and bring us closer to you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. We'll see you next week. Love you all. Bye bye.